0: What's your admission?
1: Got worms. <laughs> Got a whole
2: bunch of worms. I'm going to talk to you about my worms since the Tuckered Out episode.
0: Are they bookworms?
2: Wouldn't you like to know?
0: <laughs> Mystical bookworms?
2: <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another high octane episode of ADD Storytelling
0: Tuckered Out Edition.
2: Indeed. The podcast in which we explore the myths and legends of our time, the past, the future, and the present in no particular order. And sometimes with less than perfect focus.
0: In the Tucker version.
2: Why? Are you saying it's always laser focused when it's you? No. No, this is Tuckered out. We're getting sleepy. We're not getting focused. It's going to be unhinged as usual, but (laughs) don't worry about that.
0: Your last one was great.
2: Oh, they've all been great. I haven't had a stinker yet. Yeah. That being said, I my name is Tucker, and I will be taking the reins from our diaphanous neurodivergent usual host Maddie. That's me for this evening's uh, and soul-drenching deep dive into the world of the Mongolian deathworm. So buckle up, you pieces of shit. I detest our audience.
0: Can you stop swearing? <laughs> I was gonna cut it out, but now I think I'm just gonna leave it in that I'm admonishing you. (laughs) You're using the word fuck too much in our explicit podcast.
2: R rated, suckered out evening. (laughs) Adults only tonight.
0: Adults only. Put the
2: kids to bed. We're talking worms. Worms. Mm. Slimy. So I figured before. Presumably slime? Sorry?
0: Are they slimy?
2: Oh, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll find out. Wouldn't you like to know? Before we really dig into this, I uh, figured we could start with a prayer. Right, what then.
0: kind of fr-
1: <laughs> let me Let me have this. She,
0: sure, I'm just confused over here, but go ahead. All right. You're um, leading.
1: Please repeat after me. Okay. Bless the
2: maker and his water.
0: Bless the maker and his water.
2: Bless the coming and going of him.
0: <laughs> Bless the coming and going of him.
2: May his passage cleanse the world.
0: May his passage cleanse the world.
2: May he keep the world for his people.
0: May he keep the world for his people.
2: All right, thank you for doing that. Was the prayer for shai halud shai halud yes of course the from dune yes <laughs> the word.
0: you son of a bitch <laughs> you mean me say a dude thing on recording uh-huh. how dare you i
2: did that welcome to my podcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> i read it in high school and it deserves to stay in a high school environment Ooh. that's my opinion on dude, that's oh, really?
2: they... okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that that's your opinion because that's exactly where that will stay in the realm of your opinion.
0: My opinion. Just
2: in this case, wrong. So, Maddie, what do you know about the Mongolian deathworm? if anything at all?
0: Um.
2: I feel like there's at least one thing you can glean from the name. It Perhaps two things.
0: Causes death, and hopefully, it's from Mongolia.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, actually, there's three things you can probably get from the name a worm. And it's, it's from... a worm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Unlike Himalayan blackberries, which are not from the Himalayas. No, nah, they're
2: from, like, fucking the UK.
0: <laughs> and those are invasive. So I would... in Here in the... In Seattle, they are.
2: I'd say they're about as dangerous as the Mongolian death from
0: So I'm just hoping that it says a lot more about the worm than the Himalayan blackberry says about them.
1: We can... Well... <laughs> are they... But... Like, for real? Well, we'll get there. Don't you worry about it.
0: <laughs> or is there, are they mythical? Because my this is a folkloric, supernatural-type podcast.
2: I feel like, in the end, you can be the judge of that. We'll let you decide for us.
0: So there are folkloric.
2: We'll have to find out.
0: I guess so. I'll shiver and anticipation.
2: Hmm. Tim Curry reference. Right it it that. was. That was very good. Well... <laughs> According to, I mean, there have been accounts for millennia of reported sightings of the said worm, worm in question, Uh, descriptions purportedly passed down generationally by the people of the Gobi Desert, which, yes, is in Mongolia. In more recent years, travelers have ventured to said region in search of the elusive sand cylinder to validate its existence and observe its romantic writhing form, though sadly in recent expeditions to no avail. Though, unlike the historically enshrined and multitudinous reporting of, say, a Jersey Devil or a Mothman, wherein you have this plethora of people locking their beautiful face orbs onto those little visages, the Mongolian Death Worm has been mainly described and reported as by second-hand accounts relayed by local observers to biologists and explorers.
0: Interesting. So no one's got anything on it except for somebody said they saw it.
1: Yeah, oral tradition
0: it's not quite the same. Okay. I would draw a line between I saw a thing and oral tradition.
1: <laughs> are you saying that the hyena people aren't real? No. I thought that whole episode was about real things.
0: No, no. no. Are you are you talking about the,
1: the half, half human
2: snake man and the hyena person?
0: Well, I don't know if those are real, but they're folkloric in in the sense that oral they were tradition, down. they're
2: tradition. Therefore truth.
0: But, so...
2: Nothing oral is a lie. That's something I live by.
0: Okay, but, see, you're saying that they told other people to go check it out, right? And these are, like... And what we were talking about in the African folktales were, like, cultural traditions and beliefs that have, like, a longer thing, like, wrapped up in religion and all that. But they're not like, hey...
2: Come see my worm.
0: Come see the lion guy. Because oh. everyone just knows the lion. They don't need science to go and be like.
2: Well, yeah, you don't need science here. Like I've always said, and how I live my life, if it's oral, then it's moral.
0: <laughs> okay. I, this conversation, I feel like, is a non starter.
2: It's good, so though. I I'm like gonna it. I'm going to change
0: the subject and ask you Have you seen have Sarah I seen it? Anderson's Club Cryptid comics? No. Okay, so Sarah Anderson does all those Sarah Scribbles comics. And she has a new one called Club Cryptid.
2: Oh, you've shown me this, yeah.
0: I have, but you said the Mothman and the other one was the other one you said.
2: It's the Jersey Devil.
0: The Jersey Devil. I don't think she's done the Jersey Devil yet, but the Mothman, she has one comic where it's Christmas, and two, um, two other cryptids are like, oh, I love the holidays, but not as much as Mothman. And they're like, no, no one likes it as much as Mothman. And Mothman's just like... Light, like he's like so excited, he's like full body, like staring at lights, being like, Light,
2: oh,
1: because it's a moth, because he's a moth, yeah,
0: for for Crimble Spruce holiday times. That's that's good. That's related to the Gobi Desert for sure.
2: Yeah. So, anyway, the creature first came to be known to Western audiences with the publication of Roy Chapman Andrews' On the Trail of Ancient Man, published in 1926. I tried to read it. It's weird. I think he was, if I recall correctly, I think he was 28 when he wrote it. And it really reads more like fucking Catcher in the Rye than a scientific publication. There was literally three pages all about how he and other archaeologists he was working with were pulling pranks back and forth on one another at a dig site. And just about, how what a jolly good time we had. Oh, and the lead biologist, Snapman, made a, pulled a right big-ass prank when he put a piece of metal in a, a sediment deposit. And then when we came to look at it, we were baffled for hours, so we had made chance to get him back on that. And it just kind of went on about that. And it's like, okay, where... It was weird. It was a very... But it was also, it was simultaneously, like, oddly slice of life and lighthearted in nature while simultaneously in as shit.
0: You know, so you said put a piece of metal in a sediment thing, and I imagine one of those metal rulers that they just, like, stuck into a granite cliff and then...
2: I think that's more or less what happened. They'd, or like they'd, a
0: sand cliff, and then they had to dig it out with their hands, and then they would cut themselves on the ruler, and be like,
1: ha
2: I think they put a piece <laughs> of, like, steel in a sediment deposit, so when he saw it, he'd be like, boy, Joe, this goes back thousands of years before we should have steel. Oh. It really made him cantankerous and stupefied. That was, it was, yeah, it's a, it was a nerd science joke, but it. So they're just trying to fuck up their own investigation? Yeah, that's the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) They were like out in the desert for like three years and then pulling this shit. It was odd. In his book, the paleontologist describes a meeting with local Mongolian officials discussing the worm when he writes the following. Quote, Then the premier asked that if it were possible, I should capture for the Mongolian government a specimen of the and forgive my pronunciation of the Mongolian term for the worm, but the Allergorhai horhai. I doubt whether any of my scientific readers can identify this animal. I could, because I had heard of it often. None of those present ever had seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. It is shaped like a sausage, about two feet long, has no head, nor legs, and is so poisonous that merely to touch it means instant death.
1: Hmm. It
2: lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert. Whither we were going, of that use of whither. To the Mongols, it seemed to be what the dragon is to the Chinese. The premier said that although he had never seen it himself, he knew a man who had and had lived to tell the tale. Then a cabinet minister stated that, quote, the cousin of this late, late wife's sister, end quote, had also seen it. Which is, a, that's reliable.
0: Late wife's sister?
2: Yeah, the cabinet minister's cousins of his late, late wife's sister.
0: How often do people go into the this part of the gobi desert
2: i promised to produce the allegor Horhide if we chanced to cross its path and explained how it could be seized by means of long steel collecting forceps moreover i could wear dark glasses so that, so that the disastrous effects of even looking at so poisonous a creature would be neutralized the median adjourned with the best of feeling end quote
1: answer your you quick question dark-
2: I, yeah, I don't know. To answer your question, not often, it's a huge, dramatically inhospitable environment. I mean, most of the people that live there are nomadic by nature, so there's no real permanent settlements in the Gobi. But, um,
1: yeah. I mean, people go there, but they don't stay in one area long But then your other question about the dark glasses. Mookie honestly at it re- poisonous? How is looking at it poisonous?
2: Looking at it could kill you. I think he's, he's working with some Medusa logic here.
0: But if you looked at Medusa through sunglasses, he was They still didn't turn have sunglasses
2: in ancient Greece, Maddie. Perhaps having sunglasses would have felled the beast?
0: Well, actually, maybe not. Because like he looked at it in a mirror, mirror yeah. and then cut her head off. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe.
2: We, but... can't, we can't go into Medusa right now. We gotta gotta solve this worm. That's still
0: a reflection versus something you're looking through.
2: Yeah, the tail might be fallible.
0: I still feel like that makes no sense at all. Yeah, that's a weird one. Okay, archaeologist.
2: Next up, coming from an article on gizmodo.com, the most trusted resource for all things clickbait, Russian paleontologist and pioneering taphonomist Not sure, I should have looked up what a taphonomist is. I'll look it up. Spelled T-A-P-H-O-N-O-M-I-S-T. Ivan Antonovich Efremov, who also worked in the Gobi Desert, published his scientific adventures in the book The Wind's Path, published in 1958, where he mentions an encounter with an elderly man. The man warned the geologists of the death worm, and Efremov was impressed enough of this legend to use the death worm in one of his sci-fi stories entitled appropriately, Olgai Korkoi, The Monstrous Worm, where a geological expedition is decimated by two of these terrible creatures.
0: Okay, I got it.
2: That first yawn.
0: Taphonomist. The study of the events and processes, such as burial in sediment, transportation, and decomposition, that affect the remains of an organism after it dies. So the events and processes leading up to preservation or fossilization.
2: That makes sense, because a lot of the reasons these archaeologists were in that region is because of the climate's tendency to preserve fossils as well. Yeah, deserts do that, also Arctic. yeah,
0: Arctic places, so freezing and or extreme heat.
2: Yeah, that was the whole reason uh, that uh, Roy Chapman Andrew
1: was in the Gobi Desert, his light-hearted, whimsical adventure to collect fossils. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I want to see some desert fossils. It's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Furthermore, CryptoWorld.com asserts that the Mongolian deathworm is, quote, said to emerge during the hot months of June and July and to hibernate the rest of the year. The deathworm is so feared by the inhabitants of Mongolia that they believe the mere mention of his name will bring bad luck.
0: Interesting. So it only comes out in the hottest part of the summer? Is June and July hot in, in the desert? In the Gobi Desert. Well, so...
1: Presumably. I'm assuming. It's in the
0: northern hemisphere. I've
1: yet to be there. But I intend so, to go.
0: That's a thing. It should still be warm as far as the globe goes.
1: Indeed.
2: Let's not speculate on whether too long on whether the Gobi Desert's hot. I'm pretty sure it's hot.
0: <laughs> but is it, it the is hottest in Jude Is my question.
2: <laughs> I'm I No, I think it's a safe bet. It's
0: pretty hot. Um <laughs>
2: Finally, to round out uh, <laughs> more modern descriptions of the deathworm, it is supposed to be spiked on its front and hindquarters, Maddie's second yawn of the day, a bright crimson red, and it has venomous spit, strong enough to corrode metal, as well as supporting the ability to produce electric shocks, powerful enough to kill an adult human, or at very least, I like that they said very least, a camel. Okay, I'm we-
0: confused now because it has no legs, right? It's a worm. No, it's a worm. So then how does it have hindquarters?
1: The End of a worm is a, a snake has hindquarters.
0: Well, that would be like it's butt, it's butt. Yeah,
1: Warm that butt. would be
0: like a posterior, not a hindquarter. I, a hindquarter, the to end me quarter implies... of
1: the, 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 the little writing string.
0: I think it, the hind quarter... We can't get
1: caught t- too caught up on these details about <laughs> whether
2: the Gobi Desert is hot.
0: Wow, cool and what the end of a worm of black is. black here. Okay, go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, see, now you understand. <laughs> I do feel like it's interesting that it says, like, the electricity is enough to kill a man, or at very least a camel.
0: The electricity of the worm? Yeah. Okay. I
2: really feel like if it can kill a camel, it can definitely kill a man.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I feel like those two camel points. Is- more resilient than man. Camel definitely got
2: more HP than man, right?
0: Yeah, camel has way more HP. Camel's like 2,000 HP, and man's like 150. Yeah,
2: camels be tanks. though. A,
0: Especially in the desert.
2: Yeah. Mo- more modern reports of the size of the worm, though, contradict uh, Chapman's previous claim of two feet. It is said that it is, reaches a maximum length of five feet in length. Which, uh, you know. Matty-sized. Yeah, it's a U-sized worm. which. That's a lot of
0: five inches shorter. Than a me. lot of
2: weaponry for a five-foot worm:
0: yeah, so it's got a, it's got a front spike, it's got a back spike. Mm-hmm. It's got electricity. electricity poison.:
2: It's got electricity and poison.:
0: Yeah, and it, it's presumably very slimy.
2: I mean, and I guess it can kill you by looking at you, or you can die by looking. at Maybe out.
0: it's not slimy because it's in the desert.
2: Yeah, desert has got slime.
0: I feel like worms are slimy, but you they can... haven't said anything about this one being super slimy.
2: So, the name Algoi Corcoi, which, once again, my apologies, uh, roughly translates to intestine worm, relating to its red carapace. And I want to say carapace. What do worms have? Is that not a carapace skin? Can't carapace? be described as skin, right? Nonetheless, a carapace inte- is an
0: exterior shell. It's like shell.
2: a shell. Doesn't have an shell. exterior shell. Not that I've heard, but it's got
1: spikes. Maybe.
0: Well, is it a thing where it, like, There's a lot of hardens, conjecture.
1: No one it sheds its skin like a don't snake? You don't have one.
0: It <gasps> shed its skin like a snake. Maybe. It would have a carapace-like thing. How
2: many, how many worms shed their...
1: Do worms not shed... God damn it. <laughs> He's
0: so cute, though.
1: Nonetheless, the intestine... I don't think
0: worms do anything.
1: Nonetheless,
2: the intestine worm translation harkens back to the death worm's uncanny resemblance to an intestinal tract. Wrought from the fleshy confines that normally would call home, not unlike the face of history's first monster, Humbaba, which I would like to study and uh, do an episode on the future.
0: What do you mean, history's first monster?
2: It's the first monster described uh, in a written record from the Epic of Gilgamesh.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, and its face is apparently just a, uh, a mess of. Is Gilgamesh from India? Avalon. Sumer. Sumer. Okay. The as a being wholly designated to the
2: realm of speculative fiction and folklore, as we can now safely say, based on all of these secondhand accounts, there are those who, throughout time immemorial, will seek to prove the existence of such a creature, no matter the facts in front of them. One such example of an intrepid team of sooth-seekers can be found in the team that so bravely ventured into the arid dunes of the Gobi Deserts in the year of our Lord, 2005. According to the web resource MangaBay, why Manga
0: did you Bay, say year of our Lord?
2: Because I wanted to spice up my my language a bit.
0: But you know, I'm deeply alarm, religious. And it's the common. According era. to
2: Mongabay.com, dot <laughs> com, the premier team of explorers were made up of the following: their leader, cryptozoologist Richard Freeman, who hopes to prove once and for all whether this much much feared beast of legend oh, actually exists. Yes, <laughs> the expedition. <laughs> Would you want to define what that means for? Perhaps some of our listeners who may not know.
0: It's the person that studies fake monsters.
2: Fake, mmm, yet to be proven real monsters.
0: Yeah, so folkloric monsters or urban legend type monsters.
2: Yeah, like your Nessie, your, uh, Mothman. Yeah, Dover Demon.
0: Ni- Ninja Turtles, presumably.
2: You, fuck you. <laughs> That's not The expedition was sponsored by the Center for Fortean Ju- Zoology. And consists of Freeman, who is 35, which, once again, lead cryptozoologist, Chris Clark, John Hare, who is a science writer, and Dave Churchill, artist and designer. They will be accompanied by Mongolian guides and will attempt to flush the death worms up from their barrows by damming local streams and flooding small areas of the desert. This is their mission statement on... Uh,
0: These are the on, widest guys I've ever heard.
2: Kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their right.
0: names are so... Obviously from UK or yeah, America. Yeah, I
2: think they're Australian. Yeah. Now I know what you're thinking based on their plan here, right? With water. Well, damning, how
0: are they going to carry it and why would out. they waste it in the desert? See,
2: that's a more practical concern and place to jump to. But no, I know what you're thinking. What? You're thinking about the similarities between Mongolian deathworms and the sand worms of Arrakis, right? No. And it, it's indisputable and totally understandable at this point. Why else would the guides need to damn local streams and water sources, Maddie? Because sandworms are killed by water. We all know this. It's the duty of the sand trout, the people state of the sandworm, to trap subterranean pockets of water on Arrakis and eventually coalesce into a form that will eventually become a true sandworm. We all know this. It's just fact. So based on the writing of Frank Herbert, that's what these intrepid explorers are going out into the desert to do.
0: Wait, are they actually basing it off the dune book?
2: No, but I'm extrapolating that from their mission statement.
0: <laughs> Your, their mission statement was to direct water to flush them out, It was to flush
2: the deathworms up from their burrows by damming local streams and flooding small areas of the desert. Okay. Because every time water Did they
0: out, get permission from the people who are downriver of this to block those rivers?
2: You, no. <laughs> well, judging by the whiteness of their names, I'm assuming... What year was this, 2005? No. I don't think they got permission.
0: Okay. Well, you know... <laughs> Uh, I have such an evil cat at my feet right now.
2: So now we ask ourselves: Is life imitating art, or are these goddamn Mongolian deathworms just plagiarizing the works of Frank Herbert, like Lucas and countless other shameless cowards that came after?
0: Oh, so this like long oral tradition of Mongolian deathworms? <laughs> no, no,
2: no, no. I just wanted to throw that in. We're
0: like not predating Frank Herbert's? Is it Hubert? What's his name? Herbert. Herbert.
2: They are actually huh. predating Frank Herbert by like generations. But especially that, like I said earlier, Chapman's book.
0: I know they are. I'm being sarcastic.
2: Oh, got me. You you. got me. So continuing on in describing the prey sought by their expedition, Freeman, the lead cryptozoologist, I'll say for a third time because that just tickles me, states that he. I can't believe
0: his name is Freeman too, and it's the fremen. Is another oh shit. Did you not?
2: I didn't catch that shit. Fuck yeah. (laughs) That's great. States that he believes the deathworm's powers may be overstated. Quote, It's like the salamander in medieval Europe. It was thought to be deadly poisonous. Alexander the Great was supposed to have lost hundreds of men after they drank from a stream that had a salamander living in it. But now we know it's harmless. Even today in the Sudan, people will think that the harmless sand boa is so venomous that you only have to touch it and you will die. End quote. Which really says a lot about Freeman, because uh, the salamander described by Alexander the Great is definitely not the salamander that we know today, but something entirely different. Reading as Maddie had in past episodes from Bullfinch's mythology on the salamander,
0: I only actually did it in the. um, what Yeah,
2: do you no, thought? but in past episodes, oh, okay, is the use of Art the comes plural to life. Is it used? Episode
0: of, one, season two.
2: Yeah, Bullfinch's mythology claims that the salamander, that the skin of an animal which could resist the action of fire, should be considered proof against that element. Is not to be wondered at. We accordingly find that a cloth made of the skin of salamanders, for there really is such an animal, a kind of lizard, was incombustible and very valuable for wrapping up such articles as were too precious to be entrusted to any other envelopes. These fireproof cloths were actually produced, said to be made of salamanders wool, though the knowing ones detected that the substance of which they were composed was actually asbestos, (laughs) which is in fine filaments capable of being woven into a flexible cloth.
0: Really, asbestos? Yeah. So that was before. Well, so uh,
2: they were doing as best as they could, Maddie.
0: Asbestos is only really not harmful that. to humans in its aerosol form. So if it's woven, no,
2: it's 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 rough when it, cuz it's ha- it's made of such fine filaments that it when it, it gets in your lungs.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's aerosol form.
2: It does not have to be aerosolized. It can just be in mass form.
0: If it crumbles, if it disintegrates, and like goes into the air, mm. then that messes you up. But I think it's original thing.
2: Salamander form.
0: Well, so because it's like a, it's like a less industrialized version of it. It's probably less toxic as a woven fiber back in the day than it would be now.
2: Mm. I wanted to uh, wrap up this discussion of salamanders with a quick little story of where this myth of them being fireproof comes from, which is that uh, salamanders actually are quite hardy and resilient and produce a milky kind of fun little slime liquid.
0: They do produce a slime. Yeah,
2: which is a protective coating, essentially. And often... They, yeah, they're amphibious. Yeah, that often they will hibernate and go into trees or bits of wood in which to do so, these trees and bits of wood are cut down and made into firewood or kindling. And when thrown into fire, these hibernating little bastards will start squirting their milk liquid everywhere and rush out thus giving the appearance of, like, a fireproof creature emerging just straight out of the coals.
0: Right, so they can survive a bit longer. Well,
2: they just wake up and get freaked out and then scurry out.
0: Right, but... But yeah,
2: they can survive, yeah, because they're fun milk, milk slime time.
0: Right, so they have a very short time period protective coating to help mm-hmm. them escape imminent death, yeah. which is more than humans could say. So they're more fireproof than humans. Amphibians that can hibernate for long periods of time. It's the same for desert frogs and stuff. They can basically be in stasis, like you would imagine being in in stasis, like in space, lying to it's a The like longer distance mm. for like years and then be reawoken again by water.
2: I actually can't imagine that, and every time I've tried to, it, it actually it hurts me in a way. The Concept freaks me. Th- yeah,
0: it's creepy, but it's really interesting. It's sort of like a half life, half death.
2: Yeah, the fact that they're gonna kind of try it in the near future here with uh, settlers on Mars is
0: well, it takes thirty years to get to Mars. So yeah, that's they ain't coming back.
2: That's part of the. They're not coming the deal. back. No, yeah, you know you're not coming back.
0: No, it's a it's a colonization.
2: Oof. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I bring this whole tangent about the salamander. I'll just say I just don't understand why that thing with the
0: Are there even salamanders?
2: Well, no, no. He was. Well, I guess are you talking about like Persia? His point was that Alexander the Great apparently like lost a bunch of men to salamander poison. He's like, well, we know that didn't happen, so who knows what we'll find with this worm? And it's like those things don't relate. Those things don't. It's like saying
0: get into Persia and around. The Middle East and like the top of it could be in that deserty area, I guess. At the height of the are Greek you talking Empire. about
2: the Mongolian Death Worm?
0: No, I'm talking about Alexander the Great.
2: Yeah, what about like?
0: Didn't he get to deserty areas? Where yeah, there he would conquered be salamanders? all
2: of
1: Persian uh, Upper Upper Africa and the yeah. Greek Empire.
0: So that's what I said. Mm. So that's where there would be salamanders. But
2: anyway, just like to
0: show that they don't know what they're talking about.
2: Like Alexander the Great, who was Macedonian and not Greek, uh, the Greeks have a legend. That was my, that was the segue over, on. Do you like that? Shook your head. I don't,
0: who, Macedonian is essentially Greek. Like, I know, but I just, like, I, wanted, who, I, mean, I was
2: covering my ass there in case someone was going to, one of our many very vocal listeners was going to be like, actually, you're Macedonian. The so? Greeks have, <laughs> the Greeks have stories about a fun worm too, the Indus worm.
0: Indus,
2: huh? Yeah. The Indus worm, or Helmus Indicus, or Scolex, or horrible Indian worm, my favorite. What? was yet another mysterious gargantuan and sneaky little boy. And by boy, ho- where did that last one I of mean? course mean worm? What?
0: Horrible Indian worm?
2: Yeah, Indus is India. The Greek physician Setius writes of the Indus worm in their fourth century treatise Indica of the occasional sightings of the worm. Quote In the river Indus a worm is found resembling those which are usually found on fig trees. Its average length is 7 cubits, which what? which comes
1: to about 10 feet. Um, what? What? Cubits is 10 feet? Yeah. So, I'm sorry, 10-foot tree worms? It's a 10-foot worm It's found on the
2: river. It resembles worms that are normally seen on fig trees.
0: Okay, but it's 10 feet long. Yeah.
2: Though okay, some are longer. I
0: got up. I don't want to see a giant worm in a tree like that. That freaked me out.
2: Some are longer, others shorter. It is so thick that a child of 10 years could hardly put his arms around it. That is a fun metric. It has two teeth, one in the upper and one in the lower jaw. So kind of like a fun bunny. Everything it seizes with these teeth, it devours. By yeah. day, it remains in the mud of the river. But at night, it comes out, seizes whatever it comes across, whether ox or camel. Once again, camel's getting brought into this drags it into the river, and devours it all except the intestines. It is caught with a large hook, baited with a lamb or kid, attached by iron chains. That's fucked up. After it a has kid been like caught... A
0: like a goat child.
2: I don't know. I've read four translations of this, and each time it just says kid.
0: Right, but a kid is a baby goat. So baby sheep... We can, we sheep. can hope... Or baby goat, is what they're saying.
2: After it has been caught, (laughs) I like to think it's a child. It's not. After it has been caught, (laughs) it is hung up for 30 days with vessels placed underneath, into which as much oil from the body drips as will fill 10. At the end of the 30 days, the worm is thrown away. The vessels of water are all sealed and taken as a present to the king of India. Who alone is allowed to use it?
0: So wait, they're sure this is a worm and not a snake?
2: This oil sets everything alight, wood or animals over which it is poured, and the flame can only be extinguished by throwing a quantity of thick mud on it.
0: Yeah, burning oil will do that. Uh Uh-huh. No, so it's a worm and not a snake, because it sounds to me like a snake. It's a snake.
2: Later, German Indonologist and Sanskritist, which didn't know is his area of study, but it makes sense, and it's a really cool cool title.
0: Of course, there's ancient writings in Sanskrit. It's just
2: a cooler version of being an English major. His name was Gustav AuPair, published that the Greek name skoleks could reasonably be translated to the Sanskrit word kaluki or kulakia, which, once again, as always, definitely saying wrong, which is derived from the word kaluka, meaning, quote, mire. Therefore, an animal that lives in mud, not specifically a worm, and could thus be then extrapolated to mean alligator.
0: But alligators would have more than one tooth.
2: Yeah, but this is, once again, like Translation
0: and also would have feet,
2: and it's a giant, ten foot long white thing in the river that hides in the mud and comes out at night to take down camels and horses.
0: Yeah, it could be an alligator. That
2: sounded like an alligator.
0: Are the, these words you're saying that you're mad? Sanskrit them? words, yeah. So are they just italicized in the in the articles you're reading?
2: Yeah, in the, the this comes from the book on the weapons, army organization, and political maxims of the ancient Indian society. By Gustavo Cabral.
0: Yeah, I wish that I feel like this is a lazy thing by historians and other such well scientists, actually, where like they don't put the pronunciation anywhere, but they just italicize the word. Yeah, and it's like it makes me wonder if they're even trying to get it right, or if they're just like copying it down.
2: Well, I mean, they to to this person's credit, they have
1: they have in parentheses in Sanskrit. The word, which I can't even begin to decipher. So, that is there.
0: You mean like they wrote it down in Sanskrit? Yes. Okay. Next, so there's at least like yeah the original that you could try to read. Yes. Okay. But if it's in an English translation and they translated it from Sanskrit Mm -hmm. into an English-sounding word so that Mm -hmm. we could possibly comprehend it, it's Mm -hmm. probably pronounced the English way. Exactly. But. Like the transition, the translation of it's pronounced that way, even though the Sanskrit word well, is not.
2: Here, let me read from the book where it says Kalukan is disri- derived from Kaluka mire. It is therefore an animal which likes to live in or lie in mud. The Kaluki is described in Sanskrit. It works as somewhat similar to the Sisumara, which is identified with the Delphinus
1: Ganjit Gangit- I think is a uh, a A historical source, though
2: the name denotes a child killer in that context.
0: Yeah, that sounds a lot more like an alligator than a worm.
2: The Kulaki is therefore a large aquatic animal, which, because it lives principally in water, is called a fish. And as the crocodile prefers as its place of abode the muddy banks of a river, the name Kulaki applies most appropriately
1: to it.
0: That's that's interesting. It reminds me of the Merid crocodile.
1: Uh, uh, Sobek. Yeah, that's the alligator god in ancient Egypt. Yes. Yes. It yeah. reminds
0: me of the alligator god because it's considered to be of a, an aquatic nature, even though it's not a fish.
1: Furthermore, in this same document or not document, it's a book. uh the late
2: professor H. H. Wilson. Take a more practical view of the case by identifying the worm in question with the Indian alligator and remembering that the oil and the skin of the alligator were considered in ancient times to possess, quote, most wonderful qualities, and that the greater part of the other description tallies with the outward appearance and natural habits of the alligator. <laughs> I really...
0: What's wonderful qualities? I, okay,
2: that's what sucks also about this. What's so wonderful? Because as I said earlier... And also, this whole book is translated from German. So, though that point there about the wonderful qualities associated with alligator innards in ancient India is cited, it's cited by a very German source. And I found the book. It's only in German, and I could not figure out what the fuck he was talking about when he <laughs> says those wonderful qualities well, that I really wanted to know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. The inside of an alligator, so like its innards, like its organs?
2: If any of our listeners speak German and want to give me a hand Sanskrit. at this, I will um, Yeah, I will send you these sources. and would love to know about these most wonderful qualities. I guess it's German. So, most wonderful qualities. <laughs> Finally we come to the unfinished... This is this is so good. We come to the unfinished documentary of New Zealand journalist David Ferrier, which attempted to capture footage we're going all the way back of the Mongolian death worm. Created entirely with his own money after leaving his day job to pursue the worm in Mongolia, the film was tragically never finished. Oh
0: my god, these are so depressing, but also yeah, not it's because
2: really it's good. just white boy sadness. It's really good. <laughs> According to... The Wayback Machine, an internet archive of uh, failed film projects. Ferrier would not say if the pair, he and his partner on the case, uh, discovered evidence of the fantastical creature as they were not revealing too much until the documentary was, quote, complete. I will also mention that this article in question is from 2009, and everything else I could find about the status of production of said documentary comes from late 2009. <laughs> I don't think he's doing well with it. Continuing on, people are, were welcome to assume that they didn't find anything, to which Farrier said, As far as telling the story about the death room, I'd say we were pretty successful in what we came back with, and we had definitely got a good doco on our hands. I'm sorry, I should be doing my New Zealand accent for this, because this is one of the most New Zealand people I've ever read. Of. <laughs> they recorded about 30 hours of footage and spoke to pe- people who said they had seen the worm. Quote, because of the sight <laughs> Because the sightings peaked in the 1950s, I'm just not going to try. I don't. You have, don't want to pull today. a
0: Henry on this one during the... Um,
2: Dude, that's, man, I really want to. I, that's Catherine one of the, whatever. That's Catherine one of,
0: Knight? Is that who it was?
2: She was Australian. You're going to offend some New Zealanders. But, well,
0: I know, but th- I'm saying the situation was similar that you can't do the accent. Like, oh, Henry I can, can fucking do, the Australian I can do a
2: New Zealand accent. You know this. Don't put me on blast like this. I'll do it. It's one of the ones I actually feel confident with. Well,
0: so no, I'm confused no. about what your conflict is here. Like, do just, you not want to be the guy that does accents on our podcast? Because you don't. I've have to I've,
2: be. I've shown a light on it right now. I've I've put myself in a place where I'm like, well, oh, should I do it? And now I'm not going to perform. <laughs> if it had happened organically, I'd have ran with it. But instead, I is started it like reading the be quotes. You Jordan
0: Peele when you grow up, but you can't quite make it there.
2: We're gonna have to talk after the recording, like the impressions. Oh my god. <laughs> Quote, because the sightings <laughs> peaked during the 1950s. I
0: believe in you, honey. You I'll... can do it.
2: You know what? I'm going on to the last part of this little guy's thing. David Ferrier, uh, to speak to his uh, his character, a cursory search of him, <laughs> pulls up a, an article on local New Zealand Herald.co.nz of the five weirdest things David Ferrier has ever done. And there's a picture of him with a bird on his shoulder.
0: Is he famous?
2: No. This is a very New Zealand article where it's just like, <laughs> we got some local guys here and he, he looked for a worm, and he locks like shrimp pickles. Like, <laughs> it's not. It's weird. Remember like, when Shrimp we were,
0: pickles? Remember
2: when we were watching <laughs> what? Wellington Paranormal? And I love long that the bottom show ticker. so
0: much. That show is 10 out of 10. It
2: was like, yeah, but it was like airing in 2019. And it would say, like, along the bottom sticker like, like, coming up next for their first time in New Zealand, lethal weapon. It's just, like, it's really, like, all of the Concord's humor is true. Like, it's not, like, a backwards place, but it's kind of a cultural, like, 20 years back and very, like, homey. It's, like, the entire country has a small town feel. So, anyway, yeah, no, this guy's not famous.
0: Have you been to New Zealand?
2: No, but I've just watched a lot of things about New Zealand. Don't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay, this goes to show. So number one is, of course, Search for Mongolian Death word. Number two is Had a Sauna with Colin Craig.
0: What? Had a what with Colin Craig?
2: Had a sauna with him. Sauna? Had a sauna. Number three weirdest things about this guy, he got a pet bird. Okay. <laughs> had an interview with Gene Simmons, of course, the singer of Kiss.
0: That's, that is interesting. <laughs>
2: and um, presumably from his old journalist days, Farrier's falsetto sign-offs. Oh, no. Yeah, so, sadly, this this poor poor boy, uh, he dumped all of his money and quit his job to go search for this worm.
0: Was he a cryptozoologist?
2: No, he was a journalist.
0: He was a journalist. Who was the cryptozoologist again?
2: That was Freeman. Freeman, sorry. Yeah. Their, their, uh, their study from 2005 also uh, is uh, remarkably silent about their findings and yet to have published anything. So, um, as I said at the top of this, it comes to it comes down to you, Maddie. What do you think about the existence of the Mongolian word? Folklore, facts.
0: Well, it seems like it's been hard to find a desert worm. But that could also be difficult if it's just a bunch of guys from Australia trying to go to the desert that they're not they know nothing about. Why don't they study something in Australia? There's a lot of creepy There's shit lot, in Australia.
1: There's
2: much more likely to be a violent, venomous. Evil worm in the deserts of Australia. Even the right, so ants
0: are poisonous there.
2: Everything's that they have fucking poisonous mammals. It's fucked up.
0: Yeah, and Yeah,
2: it's a stupid country. With stupid animals.
0: <laughs> Do you know the tree ants there? They jump down from trees and they can like. Oh,
2: everything there is just weaponized. Yeah, it's, scary. it's bullshit. Like songbirds will like eat your eyes for fun.
0: And they have that spider that's really common, the brown recluse, that like melts your skin.
2: Yeah, the one that impersonates your mother to lure you in. And then it'll, like, chop your dick off.
1: What are you saying?
2: The spiders they have. <laughs> anyway, I also wanted to end today's story. Wait, wait, wait.
0: So, they is there anything from this documentary? That's, they filmed no, 30 no, Hours? No.
2: Yeah, no. 30 Hours, the only sources on it that appear, come back from 2009, that are all just like, oh, he says he's going to put it out soon.
0: But he didn't.
2: That was thirteen years ago. There's
0: not a trailer or nah.
2: anything. a couple other guys uh, did make little documentaries that I watched some some footage of, and it was interesting. But they ain't got the worm.
0: So no one has the worm. No on one's film. got the
2: worm yet. But I did want to end today's story. It's a it's it's a little different. It's not on topic, but it did come up into the news, and it's going to take a second. It broke in the news this week. Japan's killing stone splits in two, releasing a thousand year old demon. Did you hear about this?
0: What does this have to do with the desert? Nothing.
2: Nothing. It was just a current events story. Okay, wait. Was.
0: So let's close up the desert worm and then you can have your current events. I again. did
2: just close it out. There ain't nothing. There's no worm. Nobody got worm. Everybody <laughs> tried to find worm. There's no worm.
0: So, but, but like.
2: There's no so, worm, Maddie.
0: It's really deadly, and people just say, if you look at it or Everybody's you find it or anything, it Everybody's just kills you for, and it yeah. eats camels and that's it?
2: Yeah, and they're using water. They're trying to flush it out.
0: And it's just a bunch of nothing. So
2: They can't find worm.
0: So you built it all up, and there's we got nothing.
2: No, and the one, uh, the Greeks thought that was an alligator.
0: Okay, so so it's a non-thing. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Well,
2: right. Is it? Well, is it? okay. Okay. Uh, Farrier has 30, 30 hours of footage, Maddie. Walking I want around. to believe, to, to take from the X-Files, I want to believe in this worm.
0: It would be, I mean, it'd be even cooler if someone from Mongolia did something. Yeah. I would love to and, that.
2: And Also, that kind of leads to uh, your conclusion, as well as that no, no one in Mongolia seems interested in researching this. It's just how white guys that seem to call themselves cryptozoologists, sci-fi writers, and unemployed journalists that are looking for it well see, that
0: seems like it's really fun to talk about like if you're at a family reunion and you don't want to talk about anything so you're like oh god did you hear that the prime minister's late ex-wife saw the Gobi desert worm or whatever and then they can tell stories about oh my second cousin also saw the worm and then he you know that's why he walks a certain way or whatever like everyone can say like weird shit about this worm when they have nothing else to talk about. But it's not like a thing where everybody needs to know it exists. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's probably like a cultural lubricant in Mongolia.
1: And <laughs> the
2: lubricant mainly being the worm slime.
0: Yeah. Worm slime, worm discussion. It can really get you out of a pickle there. Because you're just talking about some. It's like talking about ghosts here in the U.S.
2: Yeah, like when your Mongolian uncle at Mongolian Thanksgiving is talking about Mongolian Trump, you just bring up the worm. And then you don't have to talk about that anymore. Right. Yeah. Totally. That's why they're trying to pass the "Don't Say Worm" bill in Mongolia. <laughs> Mongolian just right. You're saying
0: American is, politics.
2: Yeah, Mongolian <laughs> right is really going after, after the worms right now.
0: That's gonna be a really dated one.
2: It really is, but.
0: Okay, so now we're shifting to current events. Yeah, this current different event cryptid. Story. Nothing to do no, with anything. Don't
2: even call this a cryptid because this is this is real shit.
0: Oh, different. Unlike demons. my whole episode. <laughs> this is real shit. In Japan. Um, yeah. Which is not near Mongolia.
2: Really. No. Uh, I mean, it's closer than we are.
0: It is closer than it's we are. pretty
1: close. I guess um, it's
0: across an ocean, right? Yeah, it's
1: less straight. Like, it's pretty close.
0: It's way closer than we are, yeah.
1: It's a sea, not an ocean, I would say. It's probably called like the
2: Sea of Korea. Or I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess know it's that. not that
0: far, is it? Yeah.
2: No. Because the, the whole thing was Tsushima. Yeah, that whole thing was Tsushima. <laughs>
0: Like the game is (laughs) fake, based on okay. Uh,
2: Okay, so um, there was this.
0: (laughs) Sorry, say that. Uh, Not
2: not far outside of Tokyo, there's a uh, mountain on which a stone has been rested for the last thousand years. Wait,
0: can you say what place? Where did you get this article?
2: This is from the Guardian.
0: The Guardian. Okay, it's real shit. Okay, it's real cool. Okay,
2: so on said mountain, there's a stone for the last one thousand years that is said to, according to mythology have held the spirit of a nine-tailed fox.
0: Oh, fucking dope!
2: Yeah. kitsune! According to mythology, (laughs) uh, Seshoseki, or Killing Stone, the objects contained within it are the transformed corpse of Tamono Nomai, a beautiful woman who had been part of a secret plot hatched by a feudal warlord to kill Emperor Toba, who reigned from 1107 to 1123. Legend has it that her true identity was an evil nine-tailed fox whose spirit is embedded in the hunk of lava. Located in an area of the Tochigi Prefecture near Tokyo, famous for its sulfurous hot springs. Now, I'm going to show Maddie a picture of what has gone down. That's the rock, and it just split this week. Oh
0: my God, it just split in half. It
2: just split in half.
0: In three in, pieces. In,
2: oh, it's two. It's clean, but normally it's, it, it's wrapped with prayer flags, and it's very prominently placed on this hillside. And people, it's a big tourist destination. People have gone there to look at the demon stone. For and then the now news. it's just it just half? fucking snapped in half this week.
0: And the flags are gone. Yeah, that's creepy as shit.
1: Yeah, holy,
0: that's so <laughs> creepy. Oh my so gosh, good. you guys have to go back and listen to li- not season two, F- season one, episode two of our kitsune mm-hmm. stuff. It's so good, and the kitsune stories are always good, and they have so many plays and poems and yeah. just like so much shit about these demon foxes and spirit foxes and they're so good
2: we might do i might do a tuckered out follow-up episode to that because i actually have been reading a lot about kitsune stories in a book of japanese folklore i've recently purchased and it's good and maybe we could do a tucky twist on it yeah we can do a
0: part two
2: just to finish this if you want visitors to the area a popular sightseeing spot recoiled in horror at the (laughs) over the weekend after witnesses posted photos of the fractured stone
0: did it break in front of witnesses?
2: That? I'm not sure if it physically snapped in front of people or not, but this this quote's translated from Japanese and is one of my favorite things to have ever read. Quote, I feel like I've seen something that shouldn't be seen. It's so very good and I couldn't help but putting it, it put, I couldn't help myself from putting it into this week's episode Oh my god,
0: please it kicks people ass. If you have any anything like this That's like current event demon shit Please send it to us, yeah, we want to know
2: It kicks so much ass
0: I want to know so much Anyway Oh, send it to addstoryteller at gmail.com Please yeah. and thank you And anything else you want to say
2: Oh, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to My good friend Rose Core For getting me into the world of Dune. And thus sparking my interest in worms.
0: Are you fucking serious? How many times did I tell you to read Dune?
2: Never more. You just spoiled Dune for me. You didn't tell me to read it. Anyway, everybody. Thank oh, you all for coming.
0: You're such a big liar. A, I said, hey, you should read this. I'm a hey, small Hey, you liar. can borrow my book.
2: I'm some, you don't have a copy of Dune. Anyway, everybody. Thank you for coming.
0: I did have a copy.
2: In high school. As you said at the top of this episode. Where it should stay.
0: Yes. Thank you for listening. You sh- we all you shouldn't appreciate be this you. obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's cool cause then day is in it, but still.
2: Oh, it's always been cool. Hope you all are having a great week. Thank you, as always, for being here and spending your time with us in our
1: entirely real topics. I've been Tucker.
0: And I've been Maddie. Thanks for sitting through Another podcast with us. You did it. We made it.
1: You did it. All right, and as
2: always, bazinga, young Sheldons. Good day.
0: Oh, you're not going to start that, are you? Oh,
2: I'm going to start that.
0: That's not a thing I want associated with this because I don't like. I think.
2: All right, I'm going to go play Sheldon Ring. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> you wanted to make that joke. That's fine, but <laughs> I don't. Asso- I don't want to associate this podcast with like the sexist bullshit that great. What is it called? Big Bang. Great theory? British Bake Off. What? No. Big Bang
1: Theory is no Hollywood. I
0: don't like Big Bang Theory. The only thing that's wrong with the Great British Bake Off is that they took it off PBS and they don't have subtitles in other languages. The UK needs to do better on that. That's it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Opinions.